When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for same race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Hey, Santa, you could win in APCO's Cash for Chrissy competition. That's right, APCO Joe. There's 1K to brighten your day. And 1K to give away to a mate for Christmas. APCO's Cash for Chrissy, on now at APCO. <laughs> From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's five minutes past nine and welcome to Disco Thursday, baby. This is Mornings with Stephen McIver while Smithy's on World Cup duty. And coming up, the the coach of the hottest NRL team in pre-season, Anthony Griffin from St. George Illawarra. Fifth round FA Cups in full swing, our guru. Ricardo is in to run his cultured eye over what's been happening. There is a lot of change in the world of blackstick hockey with squads being named yesterday for the Com Games and the World Cups, which come first. Uh, Graham Shaw, the women's blackstick coach, will join us before 11. If you want the good oil on the NRL, Dean Bulldog Ritchie from the Daily Telegraph will break it down just after 10, a week out from the start of the season. And we've got the panel to shout out loud their thoughts after 11 ahead of the ICC Women's Cricket World Cup which starts tomorrow. Black White Ferns against the West Indies. All those White Fern commentaries live here on SCNZ. Rachel Haynes, Vice Captain of Australia will join us after 11. Remember that team is the number one women's ODI team and firm favourites to win their seventh title. Stumped by Stephen will be back and ahead of the weekend's opening run of the Repco Supercar season, we'll talk to Brad Jones Racing, new driver. It's our very own Andre Heim Gardner, so let's get rolling. Dragons attacking close to the ruck. What about this? Ramsey's got another chance and shows us the speed. The Dragons 
Bulldogs looking to put back-to-back try the year contenders in early. That's amazing stuff. Lethal left. It belongs to the Dragons. Dragons win the charity shield for the first time since 2012 over South Sydney in a performance that's got NRL fans talking big, and I mean big, about St George Illawarra's season. Their coach is Anthony Griffin, who joins the show now. Anthony, look, they say good things come in threes. You get a contract extension to the end of next year, and the Dragons, your side, have had two strong pre-season wins. Must feel good, coach. Yeah, it's been a good couple of weeks for the club, mate. We've had a good preparation pre-season camp about three weeks ago leading into the trials. And then uh, the last two weeks, uh, we've performed well. There are only trials, but um, the performance has been a pleasing thing. Um, you know, so, you know, now it's, it's down, to, you know, down to business. Coaches like to see improvement in trials, and I know you said uh, post the Charity Shield match that you had seen improvements. What improvements have you seen? I think our attacks, uh, you know, starting to uh, take a lot better shape um, than the way we finished last year, certainly. Um, you know, ben Hunt's back and his fit during the moment at 5'8". Uh, Moses Seeley's been a great acquisition at left centre. Uh, but our system and our execution at this stage of the year, uh, you know, is you know is where it needs to be to go into round one. Um, I think the other thing is just the way you know in both trials, our our second half has been um, uh, we played the, the half out really strongly. We only conceded one try the week before to Parramatta from an intercept, and uh, we conceded no points last week. So. The players are very fit, but also, you know, they've been playing out a, a really strong 80 minutes. How excited are you about the amount of young talent you have? And you, you know who I'm going to talk about, but honestly, I got excited watching Cody Ramsey and Tyrell Sloan at the weekend. Yeah, yeah they're both great boys, and it, it's a it's a really good thing for the club, um, you know, to see those green shoots starting to come through, you know, with those two boys, and, you know, there's... There's four or five other others we could mention. Mm. Um, it was it was really I was really pleased from that they they got a bit of um, you know clean air on the weekend a few times and were able to, were able to enjoy the game and um, you know they've both been competing really hard for the fullback spots and they've been swapping from wing to fullback but they they do it as mates and they do it you know for their team and, and that's the most pleasing thing. That sort of behaviour that they, they portray on the field, the way they play, that youthful energy, does that flow through the rest of the team when it all clicks? Yeah, it brings energy to um, you know, to any side, particularly when it's homegrown, when it's when it's your own juniors that have been in your academies and, you know, being part of the you know, the fabric of the club at a junior level to see them come through and play first grade, it gives everyone energy, it gives the older players energy, it gives the fans you know, a reason to want to identify with the club. So, um, yeah, it, it's just refreshing at the moment to see those guys enjoying their, you know, the early stages of their NRL career. But as you know, the test will be, uh, if given the opportunity in first grade, it's how they handle the grind of week in and week out and being bashed about. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, It's a brutal part about the NRL is, you know, there's 24 rounds. It's a real marathon. And as you say, the grind is, is what finds you out really quickly if you're not prepared. And, you know, no doubt 
they'll stumble at some stage, you know, uh, and more than once. It's, it's a tough season for season professionals, but um, let alone you know guys that are only played seven or eight games. So, but that's that's part of the process as a club will. You know, we'll, mm. we'll nurse them through and support them and, and live with them and, you know, because they'll be the future of uh, what we do. You were active in the market off-season. You picked out some pretty strong forwards. I, I would like to know how you feel they have gelled into your system, the likes of Jaden Seward. George Burgess has got to be a good pickup. Aaron Woods, uh, Francis Molo. When, you, when, when I talk about those names, do you feel like you are stronger up front now? Yeah, no doubt. Um you know, we um, yeah, we were very patient in the market last year, and um, you know, I'm really happy where we've, we've ended up. Um, you know, Silver and Marlow are two relatively young guys, Queensland Origin forward. Um, Silver in particular, obviously played you know uh, finals all last year, got the grand final, and um, uh, the two uh, more seasoned guys, Woodson and Burgess, have both played Test football. George has won a premiership. They've both um, been around for a long time. Woodsy's been excellent. Um, he's brought a lot to our group. Uh, and George, you know, we're nursing him along at the moment. He's obviously come back from, you know, something that has never happened before in rugby league. There's a couple of guys done it in Union, but he's, he's coming back from that major uh, hip surgery. And to this point, he's. He's going really well. We'll need to be a little bit patient with him over the next probably four to six weeks just to get him, um, you know, back to where, you know, he needs to be to compete in the NRL, but he's, he's tracking along uh, really nicely. Anthony, what is your plan with Moses M by this season? Uh, well, my main plan is to, is to get every bit of talent out of him, Steve, and where, <laughs> where that is... Um, you know, uh, that's the good thing about Moses, you know, it's, it's his versatility and that's why we brought him to the club. He, he, he can cover anywhere except, you know, probably the back of front row. Um, <laughs> so, but, and he's a guy that at 27 and played, obviously uh, had a long career already to boot when he was 18 and um, he's played origin and he's played final football. He's still got a, a, a whole lot of potential still yet to be unlocked. So, um, that's the exciting thing for me to have a guy like that on your list. Um, he's, he's disappointed with his last couple of years and, and put his own hand up. Uh, he wasn't proud of his performances uh, with the Tigers. and um, uh, So the, the challenge for him and me as coach and player is to, is to find a way of getting, you know, playing, you know, better, all the best football of his career, which is what we're trying to do. But initially, you know, he, he might play that utility role, um, but you know, my goal for him is that at some stage he's a starter in our team. I know you don't like talking about yourself, but you're closing in on 200 first grade games as a coach. What is what's changed about Anthony Griffin as a coach? What have you learned about yourself that now you feel you're a better coach? Um, I don't know, mate. That's a bit hard to answer. Um, I know I still love coaching. You know that. Uh, as you say, nearly 200 games or 10 or 11 years. Uh, you know, uh, at the job, and I probably enjoy it more today than you know than what I did ten years ago. I understand it a lot better, and also understand, I suppose, myself a lot better and what my strengths and weaknesses are, which, which you know, in a funny way, makes it easier to 
you know, to delegate and empower people around you. And these days with the size of the staff that you have, you have to adapt and, and use a lot of resources. But I, I think uh, probably the thing I've learned the most is I love what I do and I've had a couple of reasons to, to uh, you know, give it away over the years. Um, you know, you go through a few, uh, you know, uh, troughs in your career, but every time I've had that happen, I've, um, you know, just been really keen to get back involved and I'm loving my time at the moment at the Dragons. Okay, one final thought. Warriors first up, and they bring, if you look across their roster, their pack's pretty handy. Uh, to be to be wary of this season? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we had two cracking games against them last year. With uh, Rogers, uh, I think it was 100th game for the Warriors, they completed 42 sets without an hour at Cogger and um, got over the top of us. So I always remember that one there. <laughs> And then we have a golden point game just before um, uh, the COVID lockout. So they're, they're a real quality side, uh, the Warriors. You know, Brownie and Craig Hodges at the helm there. They're, they're really well handled. And, um, they've, they've got a really uh, strong pack. You know, Johnson and Nicarima and those type of guys. I know young Walsh won't play against us, which... Um, you know, well, I'm glad because he's a superstar, but um, I, I expect them to be right up in the eight this year, uh, the Warriors. With, I think Sean Johnson's a great signing for him at this stage of his career. He'll be at the peak of his powers. And with Fanua Blake and Murdoch Masala and Harris and those guys in front of him, Wade Egan's going to be a you know a real top quality uh, NRL hooker. I, I think they've, um, they've got, that they're putting together a really good list, so... Should be a great game up there on the Sunshine Coast in round one. Well, the way your Dragons are playing, it is going to be an absolute cracker because everybody's excited about St George Illawarra. Anthony, thank you so much for the time. Best of luck for the season. It should be an absolute ripper. No worries, sir. See you, mate. Anthony Griffin is one of the good guys. He is one of the genuine good guys in the game of rugby league. He takes a, cops a lot of criticism, but you would have heard at the beginning of the interview, St. George Illawarra, I think he's the right guy at the moment. They've extended his contract through to the end of 2023. And he likes the idea of that Warriors-Dragons matchup first up, which is going to be an absolute cracker, cracker next Saturday. Oh, by the way, a happy birthday to Warriors CEO Cameron George. Just over 45, I think he's 46 today. Such a, such a youngster, such a youngster. Stick around, Ricardo Ball is next here on Mornings with McIver in for Smithy. If you have any thoughts on what Anthony Griffin was saying, uh, 0800 150811 or get on the Tampa Bedpost text line and double eight double three here on SENZ. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
8.33 on Mornings with McIver and for Smithy. Oh, I just love Disco Thursday. If you're staying alive, I hope you're feeling good. Wherever you are, on Aotearoa, 0800-1508-11 or on the Temper Bed Post text line double eight double three. Okay, sad news in the last 24 hours, but not unexpected. Manu Vatuve sentenced to three years and seven months jail for importing methamphetamine. His brother, Lupini, got seven years and two months. Uh, what they called a uh, unsophisticated drug ring. It's interesting to know what the uh, hear what the judges said. Quote, your fall from grace is a punishment in itself. And I thought this one was uh, quite defining. Uh, your fine legacy in the community does not need to be defined from what happened today. This this happens all too often in professional sport. You see it in the NBA, you see it in the NFL. Uh, when players get out of the system, that routine of what they are, are used to doing year after year after year, and literally have no support. And I think in this case, we have to be very mindful that a lot of support is offered by the NRL clubs to players to uh, readdress how they get into their life. There are programs out there so they can work into normal life, and it must be very hard. Um, my understanding is I know a lot of rugby league folk that ha- had tried to help Manu, and they, they just the, the message just didn't get through. It's incredibly, incredibly sad incredibly sad but there is no excuse no excuse you 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 import that rubbish uh particularly which ruins lives ruins families uh kills people uh there is just no excuse the question now is how does he get back from here he's going to have to do his time and but my big question i'm going to talk about this in the panel today and i want your thoughts on this one too is if you're a young fan of manu vatuvai how would you be feeling right now how would you be feeling that your hero, who played 226 games for the Warriors, 29 tests for the Kiwis, two more for Matem Atonga, is now residing in jail? I really, it, it pains me. It pains me to see this constantly happening. And why are we allowing this to happen and players to slip through the cracks? We don't know, and I don't know, whether or not Manu just ignored people. There is a, a line in the story that his marriage breakdown and then the fact that he was forced into retirement uh, led to his fall from grace, we will call it. But the question still remains. And I know the NRL do a lot of hard work. The likes of Jerry Siwisiu, who are part of their community team, do a hell of a lot with players to try and make sure that once they get out of that professional environment, they are prepared mentally and hopefully financially to move into the next stages of their lives. And I would hate to think, hate to think that Manu, and if you've ever met Manu, I've met him on many, many occasions, he is just a, he is a gentle giant. But I would hate to think that he becomes another statistic. And that's, oh, well, you know, whatever, you know, and, and you have the, the pub kids, whatever happened to and so I think it's going to be a really important time, and a hell of a hard time too, of reflection for Manu. He has to sit down and think about what's it all about, and he doesn't go down that path again when he gets back out. It's bloody sad. It really is. And I think there is, and I could be right or could be wrong here, right? But I know for a fact that a lot of young Pacific men are expected to provide for their extended families. And I think that's, that's admirable and part of their culture, but I think it's part of the problem. 
because I honestly believe that just creates extra pressure that's not required. And if it's if it continues, we're going to see more problems with our young Pacific men. Now, I don't have the answer to this one, but I certainly hope the managers of these players are doing the right things by them and making sure that if they are having to commit through culture to help support their extended family, then it's done right, that they make sure that it's done right and that the, the, the pressure doesn't become too great for them when, when if they are forced out of retirement, they have to keep giving. Because no one talks about that. No one talks about the fact that, you know, in the Pacific culture, you look after mum and dad, right? It's as simple as that. And, and players are proud to potentially buy mum and dad a house. But how much extra pressure does that put on them when they themselves then have to look after their own families? If you've got a thought on this, 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. How do we stop this happening again? How do we make sure that our young men in any sport, when they leave that sport, are grounded and, and going in the right direction for the greater good of all? But it's just sad. And look, to be fair, when this happened, and, and it's out in the marketplace now, everybody knew this was going to happen. Everybody, I'm telling you now, everybody in the rugby league community knew what was going to happen. So it's just, it's just sad. John says, morning, Stephen. It can only be greed as he would have been earning top dollar. Everyone takes, makes their own choices. Such a shame for such a Kiwi icon that kids looked up to. Yeah, you're right, mate. You are so right. It's just, just sad. It's 9.29. Emma's got news shortly. Uh, can we take Simon quickly? Do you think we can take? Can we take Simon? He's gone? Is he? Okay. All right. So if you've got some thoughts on that, double eight double three, which is the tempered bedpost text line, or 0800 How do we stop our young Pacific men, and not just Pacific men, but I'm sort of putting this in a capsule because it's Manu, right? to make sure that they make the right decisions once they leave the sport. Stick around. Coming up shortly, we'll talk to the guru, Ricardo, about the fifth round of the FA Cup and take your calls as well. 0800 150811. Nine thirty-two. This is mornings with McIver in for Smithy, who's on ICC Women's Cricket World Cup duty. Uh, text in from Dave. Steve, no excuse for Manu. Just pure greed. His sentence is pathetic. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate your text. Uh, but feel free to call me on oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. That's oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. How do we avoid situations like Manu importing methamphetamine under pressure? Unable to cope with not playing anymore, happening again. I'd love to know what you think. 0800 150811. Uh. Come on now. This is such a good beat. Disco Thursday. Yeah. And one man that just loves his disco. <laughs> Ricardo Ball, our footballing guru. Hello, mate. Hey, Stephen, how are you? You can't get enough of it, can you, hey? You just love your disco. Uh, you yeah, know that, you do. That, 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 was, that was more than enough. That was like my, <laughs> my decade fill right there. 
Fifth round FA Cup. Okay, we'll, we'll talk about today's matches that are just going to the second half in a moment. But uh, yesterday, Middlesbrough beating Spurs 1-0. Oh my goodness. Did you see that one coming? <laughs> kind of, yes. Oh, wow. Uh, because Spurs, there's, there's a, a, a parlance in English football when you cock something up that you sh- really shouldn't. It's called being Spursy uh, <laughs> because there's one club that does it on a consistent basis. Uh, and, and, you know, you can take this back to, you know, recently uh, Spurs beat Manchester City at the Etihad, had done the double over them. And then four days later, they went to Burnley in the relegation zone and lost 1 0. Uh, that is the definition of Spursy, and it just feels like at the moment the squad that Antonio Conte's got uh, used to be that old saying that you know, but can he do it on a rainy Tuesday night in Stoke? Uh, well, I, I think you could, you know, you could make that the same uh, comparison to can they do it on a, you know, on on a wet and windy night in Middlesbrough? And no, they couldn't. They just didn't look up for it. Okay, uh, let's. Actually, I'm going to stick on Chelsea for a minute because Roman Abramovich has come out and said he's selling the team. Simple as that. He's not mm-hmm. going to rush the process. Uh, he's not going to take any money for it in the sense that all the funds will go towards the urgent and immediate needs of victims in the Ukraine as well as supporting long-term work of recovery. That's part of the official statement. He doesn't want any of his loan money back. He is going to the the nth degree to make sure that he is uh, not associated with Vladimir Putin and what is happening with the Russian invasion of Ukraine. What do you make of this and who buys it? Well, it's really interesting if he's making those kind of comments because he has been part of that inner circle of uh, of Putin's. You know, he has had a group of Russian oligarchs uh, in his inner circle who have all been part of what he's doing. So for him to make these noises and say these things is really big. Uh, you know, Huge. somebody was asked. Uh, if somebody was asking me about how how did we stop Putin, and I and you know I said to be honest, it reminds me you know there are there are parallels with Hitler, and I think it's probably going to have to be somebody on in his inner circle who looks at him and goes, "You're going to take us uh, somewhere we don't want to go, and no one else is going to be able to get you, so we're going to have to do it from in the inside." Those oligarchs don't want their lifestyles ruined. I think it's that's a simple one, and his own people don't want. So it's it's a scare it's scary for all of us, even though we're in the the other opposite part of the part of the world. I just hope it's sorted. Uh, sooner rather than later. Now, Luton face Chelsea. They're into the second half. Now, little thought for you, because Luton are at home, I think. Yeah, they're at home, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, they've won four of their last five home matches against Chelsea, right? Yep. And they lead 2-1. <laughs> I know, how good. I, I, I put a multi together, uh, football multi together today, and I deliberately left this game out because, you know, you could see Thomas Tuchel, the, the Chelsea manager, he's getting antsy. He keeps getting asked about Abramovich and, the U, and, and you know, and Ukraine and, and Russia. He doesn't want to talk about it. Uh, the, the club's up for sale, obviously. So there's all sorts of external noise going on for the players. And Luton, as you mentioned, have a great record against Chelsea. But not only that, uh, I probably slipped under a lot of people radar, but they're sixth in the championship. So they're currently in the playoff positions to get to the Premier League not the next season. So they're not some small two-bit club. They are a, they're a club that are playing some really good football. It's just calling. It's just Luton. When you say Luton, <laughs> you go, yeah. is that, which is that stop next to Euston Town? Or is that where, where is Luton on the, is that on the, uh, what's the board, the game? Monopoly board? Is Luton on the Monopoly? It is, eh? Luton's on the Monopoly board. I'm pretty sure it, it is. Yeah, yeah. The Monopoly <laughs> their, their big derby is against Watford. So, you know, both these clubs, both those clubs are just on the outskirts of London. <laughs> so, okay, now that's Cool. Um, Southampton are leading West Ham 1-0. It's the third time they've met this season. Uh, they haven't, uh, West Ham haven't beaten uh, Southampton this season, but a little stat for you. West Ham have never lost to Southampton in the FA Cup. 
Well, I, I think you know, you're going back to my multi, Stephen, because it always, it always comes back to that. I, <laughs> always I did come back, back to me. <laughs> yeah, it always, I, I, uh, I did back the Saints in this because I think that David Moyes and West Ham have got an eye on Europe. Um, so the Cup is not a priority. I think the priority is trying. They're, they're in with a shot of finishing in the Champions League places uh, at the very, uh, you know, at the best. They could potentially, uh, I, I would say, finish in the Europa League places. I think that's where they're concentrating. So I think uh, that. Given and the way the Southampton have been playing recently, they've been playing some really good football. James Ward Prowse is incredibly important for them, and uh, I, you know, I think this was coming. I, uh, West Ham haven't been in great form recently, and I think the, uh, their eye is, is purely on the league form at the moment. The mighty Liverpool, they play Norwich today, don't they? Yeah, and that's. What, uh, when is that? Is that a late game? Yeah, well, that probably should have kicked off by now. I think it was I'm a quarter past I'm nine. Lo- I'm, looking, I'm looking at the. Uh, I'm looking at the live scores, and I don't see it having uh, see it anywhere. Uh, I can't see it anywhere, mate, at the moment. No. Uh, oh, yes, no, yeah, it's nil all, oh, 22 it's nil, minutes it's in. It's nil, nil all, 22 minutes in. Liverpool are trying to do something that, that they've never done before. So they've beaten Norwich three times in all comps this season, twice in the EPL and once in the League Cup. But they've never beaten a team four times in a single season. Yeah, and you've got to say, chances are they're going to do that. They're well, they're making the changes, though. I noticed. I noticed Klopp made changes because of that. That Carabao Cup was a, was a hell of a, a match for all his team. Yeah, yeah, he has. Uh, he, he's got his number one keeper in Allison back. Uh, James Milner's in the team. Uh, Joe Gomez is back, who was you know uh, very much a, a number one player until he got injured. Jordan Henderson is holding the midfield together as well, and Divock Origi and Diego Jota are starting up front. So it's not a bad side. And once again, you know, much like uh, how I mentioned West Ham eye on the league, well, for different reasons for Norwich. I definitely on the league because uh, they are in the relegation places and uh, they probably don't want the distraction of a cup run, I wouldn't imagine. And, you know, you look at that Norwich team and uh, they've made quite a few changes uh, to that team as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see Liverpool probably win this, maybe not uh, the 4 or 5 nil you'd expect in the league, but probably by a couple and reasonably comfortably. What is it about Liverpool, mate? What is it about them? What, what has Klopp done in the and since he's been there? We know they won a premiership, the whole nine yards, but what's he done? What what makes him so special? Well, I think he's changed the way uh, that the game is played in the UK. Um, you know, that he had, there's a a term they use in Germany called Gegenpressen, which is basically ah. means you press. You, you know your first line of defence is your strike strike force, and if, when they don't have the ball, they're defending high, and you're trying to win the ball in the opposition's uh, defensive third. Turn the ball like over, a full, and get like your chances. A, uh, so, so what I would I relate that to like an NBA full court press? Yeah, yeah, basically. Gegenpressen, gegenpressen, but you have to be extremely fit to play it. You have to be extremely fit, and you know I think the year that they won the Premier League under Klopp, they were very lucky with injuries. They they had very few injuries, and then the following season when they only finished, was it third or fourth? That was when they had all the injury problems and half their defence went missing. So you can see how it takes its toll on a team. But yeah, I mean that's what he's done, and uh, that has sort of changed the game because everybody now is going to that sort of style of, of game. All right, mate. I appreciate the time, as or Guru Ricardo on the football. Uh, so Liverpool Hoot does. Uh, Chelsea get out of this one or not? No, I'm going to say no. I'm going to stick. I'm going to stick with uh, <laughs> multi. W- with Luton. Um, <laughs> I, I wish I'd put Luton in my multi now, but I just left Chelsea out of it. All right, mate. Appreciate the time, Ricardo. Thanks so much. Nine forty-one here on mornings with McIver in for Smithy. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven or uh, the Temper Bedpost text line double eight double three. If you have any thoughts about what we have been talking about, particularly the Manu Vatuva situation, which we will address again in the panel a little bit later on.
Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. on Mornings with McIver and for Smithy. Yes, it's Disco Thursday and there are big changes for the Commonwealth Games Women's Hockey Champions. The Black Sticks women after being beaten in the quarterfinals at Tokyo 2020. Seems like yesterday. Remember when they started? We got all excited. 3-0 against Argentina in their tournament opener and then they beat Japan and then bang, 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 bang. Lose to Spain, Australia, China and then the Dutch. Well, just just the Dutch too good, right? Uh, the men's and women's squads were announced yesterday. And in the case of the women's, a World Cup in July, Com Games in August. And they're going in for, it's going to be a fresh look. No Stacey Mickelson, Ella Gunson, Samantha Charlton, Kelsey Smith, Kayla Whitelock's expecting a bubba. Uh, and Rose Cadell, Georgia Barnett and Julia King are taking 2022 off. Sir Graham Shaw, the coach. Uh, do you have your work cut out to prepare the side for the World Cup first up? You there, Graham? Can't hear him. He's there, but I can't hear him. Are you there, Graham? Wow, that's a weird one. You got him, but we can't hear him. It's the line. Hey, Graham, you there, mate? Okay, we'll take a wee, we, we'll take a wee break on that one and just have a little think about what's going on there. Uh, yeah, okay, so while we're doing that, remember we've been talking about uh, Manu Vatuve and being sentenced to three months, seven years in jail after importing methamphetamine. Well, uh, a text in here from Jamie on the Timber Bed Post text line on double eight double three. To me, the problems start when they're at school and put all the effort into being a sports star that some of them don't have any education or trade to fall back on. Then once their sports career is over, they struggle to come into normal work life, even if NRL clubs try and help them. Thanks, Jamie. Appreciate the thoughts. So feel free to call me too on 0800 150811. Yeah, I know for a fact that the clubs do a hell of a lot of work uh, with footy players about this and it's incredibly important to them and in, in, in a funny way it's quite sad that the 20s program was stopped uh, with, with the under 20s because quite simply part of the deal when you had to when you played under 20s football was the fact that you had to be training for a trade or have a part-time job the idea being quite simply that you were preparing for life after footy so that did that come too late for others? I don't know. Bruce is on the line. If you want to try and see what Bruce wants to do, I'll try and keep get, getting Graham. Um, and so it is a really tough situation. I think losing the 20s was a bad thing. I think we loved watching the 20s. Uh, some, like uh, the great Phil Gould, suggested that it wasn't a good thing because it was throwing young men in too soon and then they were quickly being promoted into first grade in the NRL and it was bashing them up a little bit. Well, you may have thoughts on that anyway. 0800 That's 0800 Why we try and get Graham Shaw having technical problems? Uh, is there... Ah, Graham, good morning. Good morning, how are you? Yeah, good. So I don't know if you heard my uh, introduction to you, but put it this way, you've got a lot of players not there. Uh, is it, it's a fresh start for you. How big is the challenge? 
Well, it's always a big challenge, and particularly uh, with such a short build-up going into our World Cup um, yeah, in, in beginning of July. But uh, we got a, a really exciting young squad and a hell of a lot of potential, and uh, yeah, pretty excited to get going. So does it mean the lessons from Tokyo that learned are, are not validated anymore because you've got so many new faces? No, not really. I mean, we have a lot of young players that actually played in Tokyo. I think we've, you know, maybe 13, 14 players that were in Tokyo and, and they're going to, you know, gain a lot of experience from playing at that level. And I'm sure they can, uh, they can pass on that experience to some players now coming into the squad for the first time. How big are the adjustments? Are they going to be large or small to, to move forward now? Oh, I think, listen, we're in a, we're in a bit of a rebuilding uh, stage. We've had a generation of players now just step away for a period of time and they can focus on their families, their careers. Um, but we've got a really exciting team. We've got a, a young squad that are training well together, and we're going to build a really, really strong bond together um, You know, every day we train. And as I said, just really looking forward now to, to building over the next three months. Of the newbies, who's who excites you? Oh, I think they all do, really. I mean, they all have different skill sets and play in various different uh, positions throughout the field. And... We've certainly brought in a few attacking players that are going to score a lot of goals, and uh, I certainly believe they can settle well into international hockey. They're they're going to be a real threat to everybody. And then we have you know some really composed players in the back end of the field. Um, yeah, they can bring a little bit of composure to our play, and and uh, they've got a just superb attitude from what I've seen in training so far. And uh, yeah, just really really excited now to build and and work with them now over the next three months. What goals have you set for the World Cup? Well, I mean, we want to be competitive in every single game. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see how we track over the next three months. It's obviously a very difficult period for us right now with, with all the other nations playing games around the world. And, and we're obviously in a, in a bit of an outbreak here with COVID. So, um, you know, our, our, our plan is to, to get this team training well together, improve the intensities, really work on our, on our training standards. And then we'll see where we are in three months' time. And, um, you know, we've no doubt that we have a player, we have the players and the squad to threaten any side. And, you know, India, China and England are three good sides, but we're three good sides that we know very well. So, um, you know, we'll put a lot of pressure on them based on the style of hockey that we play. And uh, it's just a matter of yeah, yeah, getting ourselves training, working hard together day to day. And um, and then yeah, we'll we'll set our goals nearer to the World Cup when we when we see how we track. All right, Graham, appreciate the time as always. Graham Shaw, coach of the Vantage Black Six, uh, Sticks uh, women's side. Back in a minute. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 9.58 with Stephen McIver in for Smithy. Smithy on ICC Women's Cricket World Cup duty. White Ferns playing the Windies tomorrow from 2 at Bay Oval. Uh, that commentary live, ball by ball, here on SCNZ. All 31 matches live on Sky Sport. Also live at the moment, the three FA Cup fifth round matches. So I just think Chelsea have gone, uh, they got the go-ahead goal in the 79th minute against Luton Town. I'm just double-checking. It hasn't updated here, but I'm looking at it. Yes, they've got a go-ahead goal. So that'll be 3-2, uh, <laughs> Ricardo. 3-2 Chelsea lead Luton uh, Southampton just got a penalty in the 71st minute uh, they are 2-1 over West Ham 2-1 over West Ham and Liverpool currently 2-1 oh, 
over, yes, excuse me, what did I say, 2-1 over West Ham. Uh, Liverpool currently 2-0 over Norwich City. So 3-2 Chelsea over Luton, 2-1 Southampton over West Ham, and Liverpool 2-0 over Norwich City. So there's a lot going on in the fifth round of the FA Cup. Uh, Dean Bulldog Ritchie from The Telegraph uh, will talk NRL after 10 o'clock this morning. And just a note there, the NRL has cancelled its season launch and will instead use the money to help the clubs affected by floods. Yeah, they're, they're having such a bad time of it in New South Wales and Queensland. I was watching on Sky News yesterday the, the devastation of the floods and what they have been doing. It's, it's just horrific. They'll set up a $500,000 relief fund to assist grassroots rugby league clubs affected by the flooding. They'll, uh, and those funds it had allocated to the official season launch. How much do you need to spend to launch a season? Now, half a million dollars? Uh, the 16 NRL clubs, the New South Wales Rugby League, the Queensland Rugby League, and at least one of its commercial partners will also contribute to the fund. So a lot of good being done by the NRL. We will talk all things NRL and the season a week away with Dean Bulldog Ritchie from the Daily Telegraph after 10 right here on SENZ Mornings 0800 150 811. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. on Mornings with McIver in for Smithy 0800 150811 on Temper Bedpost text line 8833 if you think I'm sexy uh, specifically requested by our next guest uh, Dean Bulldog Richie from the Daily Telegraph to talk all things NRL morning mate I'm not very sexy, but I can talk to you about footy any time. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's good, mate, because i got to talk about your manly side. Why would you let Dylan Walker go? Yeah, Dylan Walker, it was a bit of a surprise. Uh, manly had offered him a, a, a deal to remain at Brookfield, but I think that extension was only for one year, mm. and uh, clearly Dylan's been offered a three-year deal by the Warriors, and that secures his future for... D- uh, the next four years, I guess, given he's got a contract at Manly this year. So Dylan looking after his future, but I did speak to Des Hasler, the Manly coach, yesterday, and he said, look, it didn't come down to ability, commitment or dedication. It purely came down to salary cap. He's a, he's a handy pickup for the Warriors when you think that... I mean, we, we've been talking about this in the last 24 hours, Dean, and we're, we're concerned that it might be a little bit of insurance in case uh, Reese Walsh goes to the Dolphins early. Yeah, most certainly. I wrote a story, oh, be two, three weeks ago about Reese Walsh and the Dolphins. I think from all the mail that I'm getting through rugby league, it seems an inevitable move. It just depends on uh, when it will happen, whether it's uh, after this year or the following year. But I think you'll find that move will happen. And yeah, look, Dylan Walker's a class player. He's played Origin. He's won premierships. He was a big part of that manly side, which made the uh, preliminary final last year. Of course, he played the Maori All-Stars earlier this year, has played for Australia. So Dylan Walker's achieved everything in rugby league. Look, he can play six, he can play in the centres, he can play fullback, and he can also play 
in that utility role off the bench. So he'll be a terrific buy for the Warriors, no doubt about it. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting buy. It it's, it could it could prove out to be quite a smart buy. Uh, look, everybody. Well, I don't know about you, but everybody's talking up the Dragons on the back of their their preseason. Uh, is it deserved, or should we just put it in context? Oh, let's put it in context. Steve. Like, look, I think it's a bit early. Look, I said last week that Fox Sports over here have decided to cover all the trial games, which is fine. The ratings have been very good for Fox Sports. But what it has done is it's given trials another layer of relevancy, which it really didn't have in the past. And you know, let's not forget, they are just that. They're trial games. They're there to get the cobwebs out. They're there to you know, get your chemistry going, get your combinations going. So, look, yes, and George Illawarra were very good in the charity shield. There's no doubt about that. And they were most impressive. But you know, I think we should start judging teams... Yeah, let's wait four, five, six weeks into the premiership before we start sort of saying who's been given a tick of approval, who's thumbs up, who's thumbs down. But look, it's good for the Dragons fans. They've had a a lot of lean years. Um, But, you know, I'm not convinced just yet that they were poor toward the end of last year and I need to see a whole lot more before I can sort of start to think about St George Illawarra. Well, your line, of, th- your line of thinking is the same as their coach, Anthony Griffin, who I spoke to this morning, and he said the same thing. He said, yeah, it's all well and good. We're, we're happy with how we're tracking at the moment, but the grind of weekly footy takes its toll and how, how these young kids, the likes of Cody Ramsey and Tyrell Sloan, adjust to it will be the one thing to watch. Yeah, let's not forget they got off to a, uh, a cracking start last year, the Dragons. I think they won, oh, gee, Stephen, roughly four of their first six games, and they were flying along very, very nicely. And then the wheels came off, and, of course, then Barbecue Gate happened down there on the <laughs> New South Wales south coast, and all the players got suspended, and they didn't win a game from then on, which is, I think, oh, the last eight or nine games. So it was a funny old season for the Dragons, but, look, it's been a very calm off-season They've built up a very nice roster. Uh, they look to be in a good place, the Dragons. Anthony Griffin has had his contract extended until the end of next year, so there's a bit of, a bit of stability there at the top, and I'll be very, very interested. Look, they're such a, a famous old club, the famous Red V, and you know they've got a big, big supporter base. So you know, it's an old cliche, uh, Stephen, but when the Dragons are going well, rugby league is going well, and I think everyone would like to see the Dragons up there again competing for top four grand finals and premierships. You know what? When I when I looked at those trial matches in the last couple of weeks, I think rugby league is in a very good nick anyway. Uh, some of the talent coming through uh, is is stunning. The, it'll be interesting to see how Melbourne go. Uh, you know, yes, they got beaten by the Warriors, but again, they didn't have all their big guns going. It'll be interesting to see if uh, how Craig Bellamy copes with not as much firepower. I'm tired of writing Melbourne off. Every year I see the same, <laughs> the same thing pre-season. Well, I don't so much write them off, but I always think that, you know, this could be the year that Melbourne, you know, dropped down a few rungs. And we've said it for, oh, God, 20 years yeah. now. And they just keep producing. It's the most amazing franchise. I think it's got to be up there with the most consistent franchise in the Australian sporting landscape. Look, this year again, I don't think they can make the grand final, but, you know, yet again, they'll probably be there. And Bellamy will be leading the charge. And there's a fair few players leaving at the end of this year. The Bromwich brothers, uh, Felice Kafusi, uh, Brandon Smith, another one. So this is a, a real window for the uh, Storm to have a dead set crack this year. Because at the end of the year, they do lose a bit of star power. But uh, look, only a fool would write Melbourne off. I've been guilty of it myself for many years. And 
I'm certainly not going to fall into that trap yet again. Yeah. Dean, I'm a, I'm a Bulldogs fan. I make no excuses for that. And uh, and they've bought reasonably well off-season. Yes, they got punted by Cronulla at the weekend, but I just don't know. I don't know if they're going to get their mojo. Something just doesn't feel right about them at the moment. Uh, can can Uncle Phil help, help in his own way to get them out of the mud? Uh, well, I hope so for the Bulldogs' sake. I think we're all a bit disappointed with that trial result on the weekend. Let me re-emphasise yet again, it was a trial mm. game, uh, but it was the first time that the Dogs had put out this new-look roster after this incredible uh, buying spree that they've done over the last 8 to 12 months. And I think people thought that uh, yeah, this would reinvigorate the club and that good times lay ahead. But look, it was disappointing, there's no doubt about it. Uh, I interviewed their chairman, John Curry, yesterday, and, and John pleaded with fans just to show support. Please be patient. It will take some time, there's no doubt, uh, to, to, to mould all these different players from different clubs into a side. I guess the only problem with that is that uh, you ask fans to wait, but they've been waiting a long time, the Bulldogs fans. They haven't won a comp since oh, way back in 2004. So I think asking the fans to wait uh, might be a little bit of a, a stretch because I think they've, uh, they're, they're, they're frustrated at the, at the constant delay in success. And look, they've got no choice. But after what we saw, it seems like there still might be a, a long way to go in terms of a full yeah. recovery. Do you think the glaring hole is their halves? Yeah, their halves in their hooker. They don't have that star power they would say need. Uh, look, they've got Jake Avarillo, uh, Kyle Flanagan in the halves who. Yeah, they're good footballers, but whether they're good enough to lead a side to the finals is another question. Uh, Benji's half-brother, Jeremy Marshall King, again, a good player, but not in the elite uh, category of, of dummy halves. So you can buy as many star players as you like, but <clears throat> excuse me, but if your half and your hooker you know, aren't performing to the level that they need to be, uh, you know, times get very tough. I want, to, I want to talk to, to you about Manu Vatavai, sentenced to three years and seven months jail for importing meth, because I want to tie it into a story you wrote about the dogs and bunnies not happening with sports betting. And we know, you know, a lot of players like the punt, but those that like the punt too much get themselves into all sorts of bother. How do we, how do we get a handle on this? It's an interesting story, because I wrote the story in today's Telegraph, and I was initially told that two NRL clubs had joined a New South Wales government campaign called Reclaim the Game, which was to ban all sports betting. Uh, when I made a few more inquiries, I realised that there was actually 11 sporting franchises signed up. Uh, the New South Wales Blues, the Cricket, uh, the Sydney Thunder, uh, the Sydney Swans were in there, the Sydney Kings Basketball, and the list went on mm. and on. Uh, Western Sydney Wanderers, the football side... Look, it's a, it's a two-year campaign the government is running just to try to uh, take away the temptation more for younger kids to see betting odds and, and betting advertising constantly in their faces. So these franchises have agreed not to uh, take any sports betting or bookie uh, sponsorship on their jerseys, their shorts. Uh, there'll be messages on the big LED screens at games from players warning of the, you know, the the perils of betting and there'll be no advertising for any sports betting uh, at the grounds as well. Having said that, Steve, there's a lot of clubs which do rely heavily on yeah. sports betting and uh, you know, Manly is a case in point. I think their deal with points bet, it's a long-term deal worth about $4 million and gee, I tell you what, rugby league isn't flush with money 
So if that kind of offer comes along, I think most clubs will jump at it. But look, full marks to the dogs and the bunnies. If that's how they feel and they want to take that stance, uh, you know, I can only applaud them. Makes you wonder if they're flush with money or not, Dino. When when you see the NRL were going to spend half a million dollars on their launch, decided not to and give it to flood relief. I mean, why did you need to spend half a million dollars on a season launch to start with? Yeah, I'm not sure that that's 100% true. I think they were going to spend money on a launch. It wasn't going to be that kind of money. But they thought, look, we'll get save some money from the launch and we'll add to it ourselves. Uh, it's going to go to the, uh, help junior players and junior clubs who have lost a lot of equipment and gear through the floods, which have uh, obviously uh, rolled through New South Wales and caused such heartbreak and so much damage. Mm-hmm. So that money will go out. The NRL's involved. They joined to be fair, with the New South Wales Rugby League, uh, the Country Rugby League, the clubs and the competition rights holder, Telstra. So they've all pulled some money. It's come to $500,000. It's a lovely gesture. Mm. Uh, and you know, let's hope that money can help get some kids back on the field because these storms, uh, I live on the north side of Sydney right now, and it is absolutely thundering down still. This rain bomb is due to hit yet again today, another one. And uh, everyone, everyone is just battening down the hatches at the moment. One final thought. Uh, how critical is this season for Kevin Walters? Uh, very critical. He wants to get a contract uh, extension right now, Kev, for the end of 2023. Uh, personally, I think he probably deserves that. He didn't have an enormous year last year, but he inherited a, a side which had a poor roster and really, really a roster down on confidence. Uh, he did okay last year. I guess, you know, they didn't storm into the finals, but... It was you know, bordering on a pass mark, given what he inherited. Uh, this year will be a big year for Kev, but if the Broncos do want some stability, I think maybe they could give him one more year and say, OK, Kev, you've got two more years. That gives you three all up. If it doesn't work after that, we're moving on. But uh, certainly it's a big year. Look, you know, the Broncos are such a successful and famous club. They just don't accept defeat. The last couple of years have been diabolical up there in Brisbane. But, you know, I do look at their roster. There's a bit there, Steve, but... I don't know, there's just something about the Broncos I can't warm to on the field. And no. I personally don't think they'll make the finals. Yeah, I'm with you on this one. And uh, I hate I hate to say this and, and, and pinpoint one individual, but I don't think his son's the answer on the halves either. Uh, I, I watched that, uh, that. He just doesn't, just something's not gelling. You'd be pleased to know that one of the former Manly boys, uh, Louis Brown, who I spoke to last night, uh, feels that Manly will easily make the top three and could push for the big show. Yeah, they'll be very close. They were good last year, but... Uh, when you look back at it now, they finished top four. They were in the grand final qualifier, but there's no doubt that at that time, South and Penrith were a notch ahead of Manly, as, as good as Manly were. But you know, no one had thought Manly would make the eight last year, let alone be within 80 minutes of the grand final. They've retained the roster this year. Uh, I was down at Manly uh, on uh, Tuesday to do some media interviews. They're in a good headspace down there. I spoke to Kieran Four on a Kiwi. He's a in a good place. Cherry Evans is in a good place. And of course, Jake and Tom Trebojevic. So look, if they can stay injury-free manly, there's absolutely no reason why they can't make the grand final. I'll give you one more before I go, Steve. Go. Parramatta. Oh, yeah. I just have a feeling this could be their year. I'm not saying they're going to win it, but I just, you know, previous years there's been a lot of, I guess, uh, false promises made, but this is something about Parramatta this year I, I, I really like, and they'll be right there yet again. Uh, come September. Okay, so I want you to ask a question of Brad Arthur. I spoke to his assistant coach, David Kidwell, the other day, and the one key sort of mantra they're using this year is identity. 
They talk about yes. their identity. So I, I'll be interested to say, mate, thanks so much for your time. And if Manly uh, do go all the way, I know you'll be one very happy man. It's a pleasure. Thanks Thank, for having me. Yeah, pleasure. Dean Bulldog Ritchie from the Daily Telegraph here on SENZ. If you've been listening to him and you'd like to make some comments about what he thinks is going on with teams, then feel free. 0800 150811. That's 150811. Or text me on the Tampa Bedpost text line on 8833. On the subject of Manu Vatavai getting three years and seven months for importation of meth, uh, we just had this uh, text that came in quite simply uh, from Brian. He says, Stephen, I couldn't care less about Manu. What about all the lives he has wrecked? Cheers. If you feel the same way, uh, give us a call 0800 150 Coming out next, the panel. Yeah. 10.24 on Mornings with McIver and for Smithy, who's on ICC Women's Cricket World Cup duty. Don't forget tomorrow, White Ferns up against the Wendy's ball by ball commentary live here on SCNZ. And of course, if you're watching it on the telly, all 31 games live on Sky Sport. Okay, big talk Big boss in the house. Oh, look out. <laughs> boss Boss Bradley Rubens here. Hey, bud, how are Morning, you? Morning, Stephen. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. And the journalist Patrick McKendry. G'day, Patrick. G'day, Stephen. How are you going, mate? I'm good, mate. I trust you are well in these times that we live in. I am well, thanks. Yeah, oh. it's a beautiful day in Auckland, and I'm enjoying some of the su- sunshine outside. I Please excuse me if you can hear some uh, road, uh, road noise. I'm sort of not too far from it. On a fairly busy road. Okay, just don't walk onto the road while you're talking, Patrick. That's that's all I'm asking. I'll go to you first, mate. Uh, Manu Vatavai, three years and seven months for importation of meth. Let's, uh, it's a two-part question, so we'll take the first part of it, and I'll get your thoughts from both of you. How do we avoid this happening again, Patrick? Well, look, I think in the in the judge's summary, um, he he said that the uh, custodial sentence was designed to be a deterrent um, and to set an example to people who may or may not be sort of uh, following in Manu's footsteps. Um, So I guess that's one way if we could sort of put a positive spin on it. He's a very, obviously, very high-profile guy by many, many sports lovers around the world. Um, And one just hopes that... No one sort of follows the example that he's set because I'm sure he regrets it now. He's going to jail. Um, his reputation's in tatters. Uh, and he's um, he has to rebuild from scratch. And it's a very, very sad situation for everyone. And I, you know, I, I, I don't, um, I don't, obviously, I don't condone what Manu did, but uh, I, I do have some sympathy because he really did seem like a bit of a lost soul for a few years there after coming back injured from the from the Northern Hemisphere after his rugby league career was finished. And he sort of floated around, didn't seem to know what to do with himself, and, he, and he's found himself in this situation. So it's uh, there are no real winners here at all, Stephen. Yeah, good morning, Patrick. Hey, Ruben here, of course. Um, the sentence, I, I agree with that. The, the sentence is decent, you know. I, I think that does send a message. And I think the other thing, and you had a text a message earlier on talking about the education that needs to happen within professional sports franchises. We hear, sadly, too often of tragic stories post-career where players don't have any direction, don't have any alternatives to fall back, their whole being. And, and look, every situation is nuanced, and I'm not saying this is cut and dried Manu's situation. Um, he was a fantastic dancer uh, for a time there. Mm, uh, obviously, was, yeah. that didn't work out uh, into a long-term career. Um, <laughs> but it is, you know, making sure that uh, these guys who their whole being – 
uh, as as a child, as a teenager, has been focused around their sport and just absolutely ensuring at uh, at the lowest, uh, the earliest levels, all grades that uh, the the wider person, the alternatives. It can happen through injury as well. I think he was in a really bad place, guys, because I know for a fact, <clears throat> excuse me, I know for a fact former coaches reached out to him and he pushed them away because mm. they were concerned. They saw what was happening. So this, uh, uh, we have to be honest here. A lot of this is on him, but he obviously realizes, you know, there is work to be done. And we know that the NRL do a lot of work, uh, particularly in that space. But they've got to be able to want it. And that's where I say it's nuanced in that certain players, uh, I'm not saying the leagues, the professional competitions don't have these things in place, but it's a reinforcement to all of us uh, and those players as well. I want want players and young professionals to see what's happened here and realise, actually, you have to do pay attention to that professional development or whatever they call the classes that they have to go through as a part of professional sport. It's huge. Patrick, just briefly before 10.30, because that's about a minute and a half away, just want quickly your thoughts. How do you think that affects some kids who grew up idolising them? Um, look, uh, I'm sure some will be um, very upset and um, certainly disappointed. But look, I think it's um, two things. Firstly, I think it's a really unique situation with Manu, um, as you say, um, because he, he sort of um, potentially could have a, could have had a professional boxing career ahead of him as well um, after a very good fight on the undercard of Joseph Parker, Parker's main event in Christchurch a couple of years ago. Unfortunately, a brain cyst put paid to that, so that led to a further spiral. Secondly, I, I have quite a lot of faith in, in the young kids in New Zealand. I think, um, you know, um, there's a lot of positive stuff coming out in terms of their attitudes to drugs and drinking and smoking even. All of those things have gone down among the younger generation. So, look, I, I do have faith in them. And, I, and as you say, it's nuanced, it's unique, um, but certainly it's... Um, it's very sad. Just briefly, in one word, uh, Ruben, because we've got... No, I'm going to give you one. <laughs> Pressure's no, on. No, 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 it's all right. <laughs> How would you describe this situation? Oh, sad. Can I have one more? Desperately sad. Yeah, no, fair play. It's 10.30. Talk, big opinions, the panel. Talk, to me, yeah. 10.32 with Stephen McIver and for Smithy on ICC Women's World Cup cricket duty tomorrow. Don't forget White Ferns against the Windies from Bay Oval. Uh, ball by ball commentary live right here. All White Ferns games on SCNZ. That's a, a cracker of a bonus for you. We can assure you of that. Uh, just to finish off the, the Manu conversation that uh, Ruben Bradley and Patrick McKenzie have been having here on the panel, Craig just texted us in the Temper Bed Post text line. He said, you guys are joking, right? <laughs> there should be no sympathy for Manu. Manu is fully responsible, not partly. He's a big boy, knew what he was doing wrong. It's sad, but he made his decisions, and now he pays for them. I think that's. I think we just leave that one there. I think that's that's. It's important that people have the chance to vent like that. Uh, this next subject, Patrick, Super Rugby Old Pucky. So again, we get a COVID a COVID postponement, but uh, the bigger part of the picture is uh, stadiums. You know, stadiums are making no no money. I watched uh, a. A story on the news last night, uh, Wellington making no money, Eden Park making no money. They're bleeding something like half a million dollars. I think it's a month. Uh, what are the wider repercussions of this moving forward? Yeah, there, there are definitely repercussions, I think. Um, pro- possibly in, uh, in terms of changing habits uh, from 
spectators and the and the wider New Zealand public, and that probably concerns me a bit more than the bottom line for stadiums, to be honest. Um, because we've seen, in terms of rugby attendances at Super Rugby and provincial level, drop well away. Uh, and with with COVID sort of being in the way for two years now, um, people are just getting used to not going to games. Um, and I can't see that changing in the future, where people are going to be a bit wary about mingling with, you know, in big crowds. Um, so yeah, I, look, I don't I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but I I, I do suspect that rugby organisers and administrators and those of other uh, sports in New Zealand are going to have a big task on their hands convincing people to come back and, and watch games live. And let's face it, you know, there's nothing like a full crowd to add atmosphere, um, not only for those on the pitch and in the stands, but also those watching on telly. So it's, it's a massive part of modern sport. I agree that habits is the biggest concern in this situation. People are used to, the people who... People were already maybe not going as much as they could have been. Uh, there's a whole new that have found a comfort in watching it on television as well, where they might have put the effort in to go. Um, so th- that's happened. I think what stadiums now really need to focus on is the experience, you know, really doubling down on that. Uh, you know, the the halftime, the, uh, the, the outlets, the food quality, and also the prices, you know. And this is like any any business that relied on uh, patrons coming. So we're talking movie theatres. I don't know if there's a way back for movie theatres as an aside. Oh, apparently, the, apparently it's up. Apparently oh, really? is okay. up, yeah. Well, That's okay. Um, <laughs> I love my movies. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> Attendance is, is it up. just you? Are you going to 10 a week? <laughs> <laughs> That's why you're never available. <laughs> um, it's the experience thing and the price thing. They're like many businesses will need to figure out ways around this. There is no easy solution, but these seem like the things they need to do. You see, I'm going to disagree with both of you. I'm going to to have a say here for one reason. I think people want to get back out. I think people want to get back out and mingle. You just have to look across the ditch. You see people now going to trials and uh, the NRL trials. You see what's happening with English football. A little bit different because it's their total religion, but it, it also comes down to being allowed to do it, right? And the experience thing is right. Rugby has still not got its experience right. I will be bluntly biased here because I've done it for 25 years, 26 years. The Warriors get the experience right. Mm. They get it completely right, and people want to go, and they get their pricing to go and watch a footy game bang on. My one... Go, Patrick. I I agree. I I agree, guys. Um, But the product has to be right, and people are willing... they're, They're more selective now, I think. People are willing to go only if they... Only if it's a unique experience and they're going to be sort of um, looked after. I mean, look at the Black Clash. Um, yeah. People love that. Mm. It's unique. It, it's it's, it's bloody boring. <laughs> look, pe- people people love to watch it. Um, look at the ratings. Um, apparently, they're, they're really good. And, and, the, and the crowds and the general atmosphere at the grounds. It's, I think it's an amazing thing, that. And secondly, I, I think stadiums have... Um, have just taken customers, as a, in inverted commas, 
uh, for Cronus for far mm. too long. Completely. I really do. Completely. Yeah. Your point, Stephen, about uh, fans want to be there. They are sort of craving this, and, and hopefully that applies here. I, I take that, and the piece of evidence in your favour there is, do you remember that first Super Rugby game after lockdown 2020, after that mm. first lockdown? Eden Park, for the first time in years, Chock- was sold out for a domestic game. And that was like, oh, there was a craving. It didn't stick, though, because you remember that second Australia game, it was like 15,000 yeah. people well, or something ridiculous. Quality yeah. of footy, Quality of footy, yeah. and no, I mean, I think that's a, I think that's a big thing. I I spoke to Jeff, uh, oh, Jeff Wilson Goldie, uh, just earlier this week, and I said I'm actually becoming a fan. Oh, it's taken a long time of the quality and style of Super Rugby we're seeing now, uh, and uh, we were talking about the Blues match, right, and, and against mm, uh, against hurricanes. the Hurricanes, and I went, you know what, I'll watch that. I'll watch that because that's really exciting. There are reasons for it, and but I think I think the fish heads and rugby have got to look closely at what they're doing, and maybe maybe places like Eden Park are just paying too much for what they have to do. But yes, I think we're all in agreement. The experience is important. Uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine has created all sorts of things. I, I hate. To, I actually don't like talking about this because it actually scares me a little bit. But as a mm. mate of mine said, there's nothing you can do, Stephen. So just move on. Uh, the sale of Chelsea. Roman Abramovich has come out this morning and said he's selling it. He's not going to. Uh, he's not going to rush it. But the sale proceeds will go towards helping victims of the Ukraine. He doesn't want any of his loan money back. These loaned to the club. So, and this goes the flow on. Uh, Ruben, do you think the sports world can have any effect on what's going on? Because it's quite apparent. We know uh, the European Union and the States are putting huge financial pressure on it. I don't think it makes a blind bit of difference. Ah, I do. I do think it's going to... I think it will eventually all add up. I I, I agree. The things like cutting them off from the banking system and those that are going to have a bigger impact, of course. That's very practical. You're stopping this guy being able to fund his war. Absolutely. Uh, But I think what you get there when you cut out uh, so many other elements of of functioning Russian life, you, you turn the people against that leader as well. So I think every little bit adds up. Yes, the very fundamental building blocks of something like that, you need the EU and the UN uh, to put those in place. But I do believe this other stuff, uh, you know, creates the atmosphere in the country with Russians. Uh, I won't say who vote for them because I've got no idea what happens with their well, voting. It's a, crooked, it's, a crooked, exactly. it's a crooked system anyway. But you can only last so long in a crooked system. The people will eventually, if enough of them turn against you, you can't maintain that. Well, uh, Patrick, someone said to me yesterday. We've got a long way so far, but. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know he has. But uh, someone said to me yesterday, Patrick, uh, maybe we see the next Russian revolution because his own people yeah. don't want this and his oligarchs don't want to lose their lifestyle. Look, let, let, let's get back to Chelsea and Roman Abramovich for a sec. <laughs> he, he, he's, owned that, he's owned that club for, for 20 years. Uh, it's his personal plaything um, that, that helps him sort of boost his PR and profile and things like that. Him selling it right now is the bare minimum, I think. Um, and he knows the writing's on the wall, otherwise he wouldn't do it. He, he, he doesn't get forced into do things he doesn't want to do, so he's doing it because he has absolutely no choice. Um, the pressure's coming on, and th- th- will it make any difference in terms of boycotts and things? 100% it will. Look, look, at, look at what happened in apartheid South Africa during those years when, when um, countries boycotted and didn't play South Africa. That, that put pressure on the government. It is the fundamentally it's the right thing to do it really is and yes it probably will put pressure on 
uh, the, the Russian public to sort of turn against uh, that regime. Um, how much? Who knows? You know, that, that, that's for down the line. But yeah, it, it's the right thing to do fundamentally. I understand what you're saying, but uh, in, in, in South Africa, they didn't have a finger on a button, potential button. Mm. And I think I think that's what everybody is uh, damn scared about. And uh, uh, yeah. here's hoping we can sort this one out. Okay, uh, this is not in the script to talk oh about. Today, no, it's a simple one. What are you looking forward to this weekend, Ruben? Oh, it's, it has to be sport, not not taking oh, it the has kids to be out. Sport. Oh, not, <laughs> that's where I was. Not, not taking the kids out playing or do stuff like that. Oh, if you want to t- tell us that, that you're oh, more than welcome. I'm looking forward to a Blues bounce back. Surely, Blues Chiefs got to be a bounce back. Oh, it's a tough one, Patrick. Got to be after that. Yeah. They will be smarting. The Blues are back at Eden Park, aren't they? Which yeah, is, which is great. Um, yeah, that's going to be a really good game. Look, I, I think. The thing that we're sort of forgetting a wee bit after two rounds of Super Rugby is how difficult New Zealand teams are to beat when they play New Zealand teams. But they're just never out of a game, are they? And we saw that remarkable match or remarkable comeback by the Hurricanes against the Blues in Dunedin. Um, so, yeah, really looking forward to that one and looking forward to Moana Pacifica, although it might be a bit of a difficult watch against yeah. Crusaders first up. Um, I, I feel a bit sorry for them. They're, I think they've got 11 newcomers to Super Rugby in their side. Uh, Crusaders have made a few changes too, but they're just, um, yeah, they've got, they got potential to make that a bit ugly. Yeah, it might be ugly, but at least it's the, for, for rugby, it's the, a move in the right direction, right? At least it's happening. Exactly. At least it's happening. Patrick McKendry, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for your time, mate. You too, man. And uh, Ruben, pleasure, mate. You should come back and do this again. You 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 are on fire today. Thank you, I'm Stephen. not sucking up to you because you're the <laughs> boss, by the way. Okay, I'm not doing that one, but uh, nice job. Appreciate Thank you for it. having me. Two in forty three. This is mornings with McIver. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. on Disco Thursday. Mornings with McIver and for Smithy. He will be back. Don't worry about that. He's on ICC Women's Cricket World Cup duty. Uh, Coming up shortly, we'll talk to Tana Walters with our Love Racing update and someone from the TAB yet to be decided, folks, with our TAB update. Uh, Heavyweight boxing champ Alexander Usyk has said his country and his honour are more important than fighting in the ring as he prepares to defend Ukraine's capital against uh, Russia. The 35-year-old who beat Britain's Anthony Joshua in September uh, has enlisted in the Ukraine's military. How about that? There is, quote, absolutely no fear absolutely no fear he told CNN and he didn't know if there was any chance of him fulfilling a planned May rematch with Joshua. He's one of several former and current Ukrainian boxers who've come to the defence of their homeland including Vasily Lomachenko a three-way world champ whose wins over Britain Luke Campbell and Anthony Crawler uh, as well as two Olympic golds from his time as an amateur, has also taken up arms. This is about this. This shows you about the fight for freedom, right? And of course, there's a Vitaly and Vladimir Klitschko, both former heavyweight world champs. Vitaly, of course, being the mayor of the city of Kiev since 2014, and Vladimir joined the military's reserve last month. So it is all on like Donkey Kong. Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The Love Racing update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz.
racing's biggest fan. <laughs> Hello, Tana. How are you, mate? <laughs> yeah, very well. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks for having me on. Hey, mate, I, I, you're smiling because uh, you, you backed a couple of winners, didn't you? Well, we certainly did, and I tipped them out to you yesterday, so I'm hoping you've made a dollar or two if you, if you trusted my uh, initiative. <laughs> what were the horses again that came in for you? Uh, the horse was Ragamuffin in race three. It actually ended up paying $6.40. Oh, my and, gosh. Uh, That's a pay and a half. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's something else there. But the other one, South Obsession, uh, won the group two. That was paying very short odds. It came into a dollar fifty in the end there. But now I think maybe $2 when I spoke to you yesterday. So um, if you listen, <laughs> you'd be, you'd you'd be, be making of it. Uh, what can you spoil yeah. us, us with today? Uh, there's a horse in race uh, three as well. It's, it's a horse called Sicilian Dream, okay? Number 12, Sicilian Dream. That's uh, for the Jamie Richards barn. And then there's another horse in race four, Show Courage. Chelsea Burden is riding it. Show Courage, it's last three starts, it's ran second. So if it's got any more seconds, I'd just about have a minute for that horse. But it should be expecting to win. What's the meet, by the way? Race three and race four? It's uh, meeting two, so that's at Rotorua or Arua Park, as they call it. All right, thanks for that, Tana. Appreciate your time. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. If you've got thoughts on anything we uh, want to do, hey, just a reminder: uh, you can join us each week as we use money. To, we try to raise funds for our four New Zealand charities. Our charity in the morning show is the Women's Refuge, and all thanks to Greyhound Racing New Zealand. The morning show pick this week, by the way, Addington today, Thursday. Yes, it's today, Thursday. That's right, Disco Thursday. Uh, race five, Claws in Rambo. What a great name, Claws in Rambo. Number three, that's the pick today as we try and raise money for Women's Refuge at 10.57. Time to go to the TAB with the lovely Pip. Hello, Pip. Good morning, Stephen. How are you? I'm good. I, gosh, I didn't play any music for you. It's Disco Thursday too. Oh, because I, oh. I know you love your disco. Oh. Uh, okay. okay, let's start. What do you got for us in Super Rugby today? Super Rugby. As far as yesterday, the Crusaders are the way that everyone's backing, but I can say in the overall outright winner market, the Blues are the best backed at 450. Really? Just to hear the state is at 225. So I don't know if all of us Aucklanders are getting locked down and, and getting to see the Blues get back and are backing them or not. But look, it'll be interesting, I suppose, this weekend with the Chiefs if they can get on top. Maybe Punders wanting to take that 450 in case they shorten in. So yeah, very interesting. But that's the way the market. With with that playing. best back on the Blues pit, was that a late surge considering they're just the, the, their form against the Canes? Yeah, it certainly is. Yeah, so I'm not sure. I mean, look, they've got the team certainly, haven't they, Stephen? They just need to put it all together. So, okay, fifty maybe. Maybe worth the risk. We're a little excited about the Women's Cricket World Cup, which starts tomorrow at Bay Oval with the White Ferns against the Windies. What are you offering at the moment? What's what's good to look forward to? Well, at the moment, Kerr's been the best back as New Zealand top run scorer, and there's a good promotion around that as well as far as the top run scorers. You can check out the TNCs there on the uh, website, followed by Divine as well. So they're the best backs head-to-head New Zealand, well back the vast majority. But overall, in the Cricket World Cup, Australia is the best back. There's been 2000 on them and $1,000 at $2. They're now shortened into around 165 Well, that's nice. no surprise in that one, though, is there, Pep, considering they're the number one team in the world. What are you, what are you looking forward to this weekend? Uh, personally, look, I'm, I'm looking forward to the Blues playing the Chiefs, so, um, obviously from Hamilton, but now living up in Auckland, so I think that's going to be a, a good game. And look, I'm a real leaguey, so I like to see what Roger uh, Tuivasa can do again 
this weekend. I thought he was quite good over the weekend, so that's probably my best one. And of course, at Auckland Cup, I'm a big greyhound girl, so I got that on the weekend. Wow, as well. you just you, you're you're all over the place. That's fantastic. Well, you know, once a chief fan is always a chief fan, right? Oh, exactly. Yeah, you can't can't take the girl out of Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Pip. Appreciate the time as always. That uh, don't forget, of course, uh, TAB uh, watch and bet live on your favourite sport and racing at the tab.co.nz. And please gamble responsibly because, of course, it is R eighteen. Busy little hour between eleven and twelve. After eleven o'clock, we're going to talk to the vice captain of the Australian women's cricket team, six time champs, by the way. Rachel Haynes will join us. Uh, we'll have, of course, stumped by Steve. And I think well, we didn't stump me yesterday, but we gave away the 50 bucks for the TAB. And also Andre Heimgartner. Uh, the Repco Supercar season starts tomorrow at Sydney uh, Motorsport Park with 277 lappers over the weekend. We will speak to Kiwi Andre Heimgartner about being in a brand spanking new team, Brad Jones Racing, and what he is looking forward to. It all comes your way after 11 on Mornings with MacIver here on SENZ. on SENZ. on Mornings with McIver in for Smithy. The ICC Women's Cricket World Cup begins tomorrow with the White Ferns playing the Windies at Bay Oval. And Sadat too, absolute cracker between six-time champs Australia and defending champs England at Seddon Park. Uh, Australia's two warm-up matches produced a strong win against the Windies. And then after setting New Zealand 322 for the win, uh, they watched that one get run down. But one of their key players uh, joins us now, and this is what she can do. And there she goes again and hammers that down the ground once more. Back to back boundaries for Haynes. Again, gives herself room and clobbers it through extra cover. And she's on a roll here. That's the 50 partnership up. Australian Vice Captain Rachel Haynes joins the show now. Uh, morning to you, Rachel. Good morning. How are you feeling? Yeah, good. It's been um, a bit of an interesting build-up to the tournament. Obviously, coming across from Australia, uh, we had to, to quarantine. and um, So, yeah, that, that was sort of unique in itself. But, yeah, we've had a couple of practice games now and, and well into training and those sorts of things, and we're looking forward to starting our tournament on Saturday. Did you see that performance from Sophie Devine the other day coming? Uh, yeah, she's definitely got a, a performance <laughs> like that in her, that's for sure. I've been on the end of it. A couple of times, probably more so in the, the Women's Big Bash League over in Australia. But, um, yeah, look, she's a phenomenal player and, and obviously just um, her, her brute strength and ability to, to bully attacks. Um, yeah, we're obviously not the only side that's experienced that in the past. So, look, New Zealand look like they're playing some really good cricket um, at, at a good time and they're going to be a, a dangerous team throughout the tournament. Uh, tournaments are all about building, Right, so how does Australia approach this tournament? Is it going to be game by game, or are you that confident in your ability that you'll be targeting things to really set things going? Yeah, you're right. Momentum's a key part of tournament play, and it's probably what makes it unique from uh, a normal series where you, you sort of, you know, obviously play three matches and walk away with a, a win if you win two of those games. Whereas in tournament play, if if you drop a game, you're under pressure pretty much straight away. And, and then obviously you need to win at the right time as well, heading into 
um, semis and, and final matches too. So it's a, a bit of a, a different approach. And um, yeah, we certainly will be looking to to be playing good cricket at the right time. But by the same token, there's going to be some tough games in there and, and none more so than our first one against England, who are defending champ- champions on Saturday. So yeah, I think um, yeah we've seen even throughout the warm-up matches that uh, teams are, are you know taking games off each other. No one's really, I guess, out and out dominated um, leading into the tournament, so it's it's going to be an interesting an interesting World Cup. We we talk about. I wonder, do you look at warm up matches as a bit like a preseason? Read nothing into them, or because it's a tournament and it's about to happen, you have to take a good look at what's going on. No, I think there definitely is that element to it. I know from our perspective, we were really keen to make sure that. Um, we got some good game time into players right across our squad because we have come off the back of quarantine um, and, yeah, I guess a, a bit of a different build-up. So we definitely made sure that, um, you know, we, we, we tried to give as, as many different players opportunity to, to get into a bit of a groove. And, you know, from our perspective, we were really pleased that uh, all our batters got a decent hit. Um, and, you know, even the other day, I think we used almost eight, eight or nine bowlers maybe. So... Um, yeah, people playing perhaps different roles than what they would in the game. Um, but by the same token, it's really nice that we're seeing players under pressure too because we know in these big tournaments there's going to be those moments that will need different individuals to stand up and you know that's really hard to contrive in a training environment. Philosophically, how do Australia approach this tournament? Do you continually play your guns or do you use a lot of rotation? Yeah, I think, look, I wouldn't be surprised, particularly with our, our fast bowling group, if if there is a little bit of rotation. It, it is a long tournament, but um, there's lots of, I guess, travel and, and back-to-back games as well. So once you get into a period where, um, you know, you're sort of playing, travel, play, that those sorts of things, it can become a little bit gruelling. So I wouldn't be surprised if, um, yeah, we, we used a mix of our squad. Having said that, I'm not on the selection plan- panel and, and obviously uh, it'll probably come down to um, you know where we're placed throughout the tournament as well. But I think if, if everything goes to plan and, and um, we're winning winning games and, and winning well, I wouldn't be surprised if um, that opportunity was taken. I'm sure coaching staffs have a plan when they look, OK, we've got a World Cup tournament, but we don't know what the draw is going to be like. How much do you know of change when you saw, oh, heck, we've got the defending champions first up. We're going to have to readjust the whole thing. Oh, look, I think it doesn't matter who you're playing in the first game. You want to start well. Um, you know, I'd imagine every every team would, would want to get that first win on the, the board, particularly in a, a big tournament. So we've just come off our Ashes series against England. So, um, you know, they're probably feeling like they can't get away from us at the moment. Um so, you know, we're, we're playing them. This will be our fourth ODI in a row against the, the same um, opposition. So we obviously know each other really well. Um, but, yeah, there, there's no doubt that, particularly in tournament play, there's no easy games. And I think the minute you go into a game or a match feeling like you should win that game, it, it starts to get a, a little bit dangerous. So without sounding too cliche, you, you literally have to take it one game at a, at a time and, um, yeah, we know that England are a, a dangerous opposition. They're defending champs in, in World Cup 50-over cricket, um, and we know that they play really well in tournament play as well. So, um, yeah, we've very much got our, our eyes lowered to Saturday and, and hopefully getting off to a good start. Rachel, I love the Australian sporting team attitude. It's, it's, a, it's a never say die, but it's also uh, – a lot of people here call it arrogance. I, I call it confidence. 
Yeah, and I, I, I love it because I think it's a really important part of, of sport. Does your team that you are part of take that confident attitude into every game or, or are there sometimes doubts? Uh, yeah, I think definitely over the last couple of years we, we've we've tried to play a brand of cricket that is um, aggressive and always looking to take the game forward. So hopefully people have, have been able to see that style of play and it's resonated with um, yeah different people around the world. Um, but, yeah, there, there's no doubt it's like any team. I think it, you'd probably be lying if you said that you didn't feel pressure at different times or, um, you know, in those big moments where you need to work through um, that there, there weren't doubts. But I think one thing that our group has shown is an ability to navigate through those big moments and where we are under pressure, have a calmness about how we approach that. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, you know, there's going to be plenty of those throughout the tournament and not just for our team, I think for, for all teams and, and those who are able to best, I guess, maintain composure under pressure and navigate their way through um, will definitely have a, a successful tournament. Knowing your teammates, do you thrive under pressure? I mean, you're the number one team, you're, you know, you're the firm favourites everywhere. Do you thrive under that? Yeah, I, I think so. I think we've shown as well that we're not just relying on one or two players to stand up in those big moments. We've seen lots of different players stand up over the last couple of years um, in those big moments. I think in the past when people have thought about our team, they, they think about players like Meg Lanning and Elise Perry who um, have been exceptional, particularly in this format over a long period of time. But we've seen more recently someone like Talia McGrath who has, has found her way um, into the team over the last 12 months, really stand up um, under pressure in, in big moments. And, you know, to finish player of the series um, twice, against once against India and once against England during the Ashes um, really recently, I, I think just, is, just shows um, that players coming into our team are ready for those big moments and, and want to, um, you know, be, have the ball in their hand or, or be batting um, when the team needs them, needs them to be out there. Rachel, outside of yourselves in England, who else are you sort of just watching carefully? Oh, as I said earlier, I think New Zealand are a huge threat in this tournament, being the home team. Um, they've had a lot of continuity heading into the series as well um, in terms of being able to play and have the comforts of home and those sorts of things. Um, South Africa too are, are going to be extremely dangerous. They've got a fantastic seam attack and some very dangerous batters as well who can who can really um, get the, the scoreboard moving quite quickly. And I think we've seen as well, um, you know, India probably didn't quite perform as, as well as they would have liked um, in their recent series against New Zealand. But again, they're a, a very dangerous team and have got a, a lot of depth um, as well as some, some really good youth um, to complement that within their side. So, yeah, there's going to be mm. – I don't think I can comfortably um, yeah, sit here and say that one team is, is going to dominate. I, I think it's going to be a, a really tightly um, fought World Cup. I spoke to Shakira Selman last night, the West Indian bowler, and I asked her of the pitches you'd played and what do you think of them? She laughed. She said her, her quote was, great batting pitches. What do you make of them? The ones you've yeah, seen so far. Yeah, yeah, she's pretty spot on. We've had some very flat wickets uh, in the practice games. And to be honest, a, a little bit different to, to what the wickets that we played on uh, maybe 12 months ago over here. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, yeah, obviously, we're, we're dispersing from Christchurch now and, and playing right around the country, our first games in, in Hamilton. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, if the wickets are going to continue to be 
um, produced like that. I think if they are, we'll see plenty of runs and, and some teams will have to put some pretty, pretty big scores out there um, to be able to, to defend and those sorts of things. So, yeah, so far um, they're not really bowler-friendly, but I think the, the batters might be licking their lips. I know you've got another interview lined up. I just have to ask you one more question. How's baby Hugo? Yeah, he's going really well. Um, he didn't make the, the trip over here. Um, my partner, Leah, and, and him are back home in Sydney. Um, it sounds like that I might be in a, a very good place at the moment because he started teething. So um, I'm not <laughs> sure how much sleep is happening in, in my household at the moment. But, um, yeah, they're both going well. And, um, yeah, I'm missing them, but, but looking forward to seeing them after the tournament. Oh, well, make sure you get plenty of FaceTime. Rachel, thanks so much for joining us this morning and the best of luck threat on their home turf of course they won uh, here in 2000 and won the World Cups any time that they've actually won it the White Ferns the other 10 times have been split between Australia and New Zealand Australia won it six times and England have won it four times and they currently are the defending champions and just a reminder you can hear all White Ferns commentary all their games starting tomorrow with the Bay Over clash between the White Ferns and the West Indies live here on SENZ ball by ball commentary and if you're watching it on the telly all 31 matches are live on Sky Sport. It's 11.16. If you've got some thoughts about anything that we've been talking about this morning, feel free to just pick up the phone. Love a good chat, you know. 0800 That's 0800 Or the Timber Bedpost text line is uh, double I did have a response. I've had quite a few responses by text about the Manu situation. Of course, Manu Vatuvana's brother, both jarred for importing methamphetamine. Uh, Manu got three years and seven months, a custodial sentence to uh, try and get, get him back on the, on the right path. Uh, uh, one of them said, look, the, the, there was no excuses. He, he, he'd got what he deserved in them. And someone backed it up by saying, yeah, I totally agree with the last text. 100% Manu is to blame. So if you've got some thoughts about that, or even Roman, Roman Abramovich selling Chelsea, not expecting any money back, uh, the lo- money loans he's paid out, and he's going to put all the, all the proceeds of that of that sale into the victims of a war that we we don't even want to think about, but we it's sitting right in front of us. 0800 150811 or the Timber Bear Post text line double eight double three here on SENZ. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Disco Thursday on Mornings with McIver, 11.22. Uh, texts coming in about Manu Vatavai. Uh, no one being very charitable. Manu was toxic. Many young Pacifica lads looked up to him, and that's the role model he decided to be. He can suck Kumras and do the time. That time was uh, three years and seven months. His brother Lupini got seven years and two months. Just a little uh, reminder about Pacing for Purpose and our morning show pick for our charity, which is the Women's Refuge. Addington today. It's Addington today. Race 7, Karana number four. One win, one start. Look, good trials behind Labour. Good chance and could be paying okay money. Our morning charity is Women's Refuge. Time to talk supercars. He squares it up, coming out of the final corner, and it is a first-time boundary now for Andre Huffer, Andre Heidgartner, his first supercar win. 
That's how much it means. Huge moment, huge moment for that team. He'll be in tears. First win. Life-changing moment for this young Kiwi. Andre Harmgarner last year in the Ford Mustang for Kelly Grove Racing, getting his first ever win in the Repco Supercars Championship. First and only win so far, but in the off-season has changed teams, gone to the four-car team of Brad Jones Racing, based in Melbourne. He's driving the number eight R&J Batteries car. So it's a new team, uh, a new car. So, uh, mate, how how are you feeling going into the season start of this weekend? Yeah, good to be on the show, but um, yeah, big year ahead, obviously switching teams is nothing small, so a lot to get used to, um, and a lot of changes, which is you know, quite good, changes as good as a holiday, and really enjoying it so far, um, and looking forward to this weekend. They talk about Brad Jones Racing as being a, a family style of team, can you can you see that, and can you describe it for us? Yeah, well, the, the Kelly's team was a very family oriented team as well and I think it's more so at Brad Jones so um, it, it's very much what I'm used to and what I like being around and um, yeah when you're in Albury you know everyone's really close you know they go play cricket on the weekend together and go to each other's birthdays and have barbecues and stuff so it's a really cool atmosphere to be around and a really enjoyable one at that. So are you based you are basing yourself in Victoria not being like a lot of drivers and living on the Gold Coast? No, well, I actually moved to the Gold Coast, which is a fatal mistake because obviously the weather's been pretty horrendous. So uh, it's uh, yeah, I wish I was actually living in Victoria, but yeah, Gold Coast now and um, transit back and forth to Albury when I need to. So, how has the transition been for you? Your your off season? Uh, it's been busy, I guess. Um, I've had to go to the workshop, obviously, get to know the boys, spend some time in Albury, getting to know everyone, the engineer. And, stuff like that and then um, you know I was having the pre-season test which you build up to and then you know obviously debriefing after that before this round has been pretty quick as well so there's been plenty to do plenty of sponsorship stuff plenty of engineering stuff um, so yeah it's been uh, especially this year as soon as Christmas ticked over a new year um, yeah we've basically been in it preparing for this year. Mate what did you find out about the new car that you liked and what you didn't like and what you need to improve on ahead of uh, the weekend? Um, yeah, it was very different to my surprise. So um, once I got used to it, I, I found that the team had a really good handle on where the car was and where it needs to be to be fast, which is really good. So something we've lacked in the past at, at my other team. So to be in a team that has a car like that, I think I'll be able to um, really work on my driving more and um, you know, push it further up the front. So it's really exciting as far as um, myself and my career goes, it should be a good step in the right direction. Is it is the RNJ Batteries number 8 a new chassis, a new car, or is it the one that Percat drove? No, still the same one Percat drove. So it was a good car, mm. performing well, so sometimes um, you're better not to, to get a new one. No, <laughs> f- no, fair play, but going from a Ford to a to a, a GM, uh, is there much difference in supercars with the frames and the chassis? Uh, look, basically it's the same, but... Um, yeah, there's slight different things. Obviously, aerodynamically, they're very different. So, um, yeah, it's just learning that. Especially this weekend, there'll be a high-speed track. Um, so I'll have to learn that again, obviously, versus the Mustang, quite different. All righty. Well, 277 lappers to start the weekend. What do you make of that? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very wet as well, I think. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a challenge, obviously, going straight into those big races from off-season is always interesting, um, just because your race fitness is up and... Um, you know, you're not you're not mentally in the game as much as you are by the end of the season. So 
it's going to be a good challenge and it creates lots of mistakes and lots of um, good racing. Right? Qualifying's key to a lot of these races. Do you think with this new team at, at BJR, you'll qualify better and, and they'll they'll help you more? Because that's the, what the sense I get from you. Yeah, I think their, their car's more consistent. Um, it's faster and their pit stops are lightning fast. So um, I think it's going to be an all-round lift for me in all areas. That's what I've had you know, the last few years. So it should be a very good thing for me. How uplifted are you with this with this change? Do you feel better about yourself going into the new season? Yeah, yeah, for sure. As I said, change is as good as a holiday. And I, you know, at, at my uh, the end of my tenure at the last team, it was um, I had the change of ownership, and there's a lot of politics and stuff going on there. And um, you know, just to get out of that, go into a fresh new environment, fresh faces, work fresh people. Um, it's very energising and very motivating, I guess. You know, if you stay in one place too long, uh, it can sort of get you a bit down. But, um, yeah, for sure I'm feeling as relaxed as I've ever had, co- as confident and um, excited as I've ever been. So. so what's the plan for the number eight car? What, what Do you have targets, goals, or are you going to just play it round by round? Because obviously you want to win races. That's great. But yeah. what, what do you? where do you want to see yourself, let's say, midway through the season? Yeah. Well, we've been in the top 10 of the championship most years until sort of midway on and to the end. And last year, it really, the wheels fell off the wagon with the car and a few other things. So um, we weren't able to maintain that. Um, so definitely finishing <coughs> inside the top 10 of the championship is definitely the goal for us. It's been done the last few years with Percat. So for sure, that's what we'll be aiming for. Hey, now, you, we all love our cars, and we all like, they've got to look good. Do you like the look of the number eight car? <laughs> yeah, it's good. It look, I think it looks better than the last few years, so <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> of, course, of course it does. What part of it do you like? Just the red and white? Yeah, the driver's better looking too, so that helps. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, it's, there's actually there's so much to look forward to this weekend, not the, um, the fact that the footy, uh, the, sorry, the, the racing is back, but the fans are going to be allowed back into the paddock. Yeah, I know. It's um, exciting. There's also the fan zones. It's getting back to how it was. There's a big concert. So, um, yeah, it's back to supercars as we all love it. Hey, mate, just one final thought because I know it's a busy time for you and, gee, we're getting so close to the first race. Uh, what did you make of Scotty McLaughlin's IndyCar win? Yeah, it was pretty good. It's, um, I uh, ended up watching the race the next day. So, you know, all, all credit to him. It's a pretty impressive thing. So, um just shows that any sort of supercar driver at the top there that's winning races, getting on the podium, can be competitive in other motorsports around the world. And, um, you know, it'll just be interesting to see what how he goes once we go to more oval tracks. And he obviously got second there last year, so hopefully he's a bit more consistent and uh, see what happens. Well, look, someone's going to run you down. All right, I don't want them to run you down before you hop in that car, <laughs> on, that car on Friday. Mate, thanks so much for talking to us. We'll talk again through the season. Best of luck for round one. Too easy, thank you. Andre Heimgardner joining us here on uh, Mornings with McIver in for Smithy. Supercars coverage live on Sky from 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon with a practice one of Super 2. It's going to be a big old time, remember? Uh, it is at Sydney Motorsport Park. It was supposed to be at Newcastle. They're going to reschedule Newcastle because of the COVID outbreak. And just a reminder too, tonight at 7 on Repco Race Control with my, myself and Murph, we will be talking to Scott McLaughlin. Yeah, yeah, just turn it up a little bit. People don't want to hear me yabbing all morning. Give me a little bit of disco on Disco Thursday.
If only you could see Brian, one of my producers. He is just getting down and getting funky. Man, you got some moves. What's the arm stuff you're doing with? Yeah. All right. Come on now. All right, I'm indulging myself, I'm indulging. It's 11.34, just an update on the round five for the fifth round of the FA Cup. Oh, actually, stop, put the brakes on. Stump by Stephen time, stump by Stephen time. 0800 150811, get on it now, get on it. 0800 150811, and suddenly the, the phone lines light up. 0800 150811. Uh, we didn't have a stumping yesterday, we sort of got everything wrong. Hopeless. My jam pretty hopeless, but I got a memory like a sieve. The Smithy's got one like an elephant. I got one like a sieve. If you want to have a crack at uh, winning the sleep drops and the 50 bucks from the TAB, then get on the line 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. Alrighty, just an update on those fifth round FA Cup matches. Ricardo, not happy. Chelsea, three. Luton Town, two. Liverpool, two. Norwich City, one. Southampton 3, West Ham 1. Just a reminder, Chelsea 3, Luton 2, Liverpool 2, Norwich 1, and Southampton 3, West Ham 1. You know uh, you know what, Logan, that reminds me. When I first started at Sky, one of my first jobs was to read the EPL results. Now, we're getting it back in August for six years, right? The English Premier League, which we're pretty excited about. Thank goodness I wanted to do that. But I remember getting down to the Scottish results, and you know what happened there, right? And I, and I, I got told off for it. I went, four, 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 kick three. And uh, was told off quite rightly. But uh, there you go. A little bit of fun. It's Disco Thursday. It's 11.35. Let's get on with this bad thing. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. I do kind of wish we had an updated sting there, McIver, where we had stumped by Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nah. Just remember, I'm, I'm Polly Fuller, okay? You're <laughs> white and plain. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, say it. Oh, Just say it. You can say you it. You said it for yourself, mate. You said it for yourself. <laughs> okay. Right. Yep. As you know, it is time for Stump by Steve. Enough for grabs today is $50 worth of TAB vouchers for your account. And you also can get some Sleep Drops Daytime Revive. Try New Zealand's sleepdrops.co.nz for all ages, lifestyle stages, and sleeping challenges. I have a baby myself, and I know sometimes there can be some sleeping mate, challenges. Mate, you need to talk to these sleep drops people because I'm the worst sleeper in the world. You, you need to hook me up, okay? Hook me up, bro. Yeah, we'll talk to sales about that. Okay, mate. good. Yeah. Uh, so, and as always, read the label and take his directors. <laughs> sleep drops, Auckland. Can't forget that fact. That is what you could win. Uh, and joining us now on the line is Scott from Wellington. How you doing, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks, Logan. How you doing? Good. So you know how the game goes? Hey, hey, I'm good too, by the way, Scott. <laughs> yep. Morning, Stephen. How you going? <laughs> <laughs> That's better. Hey, hey, just before we, before we get into this, Scott, what are you what are you looking are you looking forward to this uh, Women's Cricket World Cup? I I am. I am actually. I think we've uh, we've got a decent chance. I think, especially after the uh, results against India and and the game against Australia the other day. God, how good is Sophie Devine? Eh? I mean, I, I was just talking to the uh, Australian vice captain, and and they're actually just you sense just a little concerned about the Kiwis at home. 
Oh, exactly. The top, the top three, especially with uh, Divine and Kerr in there as well, oh, yeah. obviously. So, yeah, um, and Susie Bates, sorry. Susie Bates, um, no. That's the awesome top three. Okay, so um, Logan Sprinkles, we're going to call him Sprinkles. It's like, you know his last name's Swinkles? So I'm going to call him Sprinkles before he thumps me. Is going to give you the categories. Fire up, Log. Uh, and speaking <laughs> to your dance moves earlier and to Brian's, I'm just I, I don't know you guys. Actually, Sprinkles would be a cool dance move, eh? Oh, there's a sprinkler move. Yeah, yeah there's the sprinkler move. All there right, you go. All right, okay. stop derailing this, um, Kaiba. <laughs> okay, Scott, your three sporting categories for today are baseball, motorsport, and golf. Take your pick. Oh, jeepers creepers. You didn't oh. consult me, did you? Oh. Sorry, what was that? Um, can't, can't say I'm an expert at any of those three. Um, <laughs> makes I won't more. go motorsport because I know how good Stephen is at motorsport. So, uh, I'll take that as a compliment. Golf? Okay. <laughs> Golf. Now, of course, uh, if you can answer all three questions correctly, then you win it all. But if you get a question wrong, then it's all over to Stephen for a stumping <laughs> chance. Let's cue the music. <laughs> that music's boring, eh? It should have been disco music for Disco Thursday. <laughs> Just got to keep that tension going. No, okay, sorry. Right, I'll be quiet now. I'll be quiet. Going. Carry on. Okay. Okay. Right. Shh. Sprinkles. Don't call me that. <laughs> Scott. First question, golf could be considered one of the oldest Olympic sports had it carried on beyond the 1900 and 1904 games. But we had to wait a while for its return. Which Olympic Games saw the sport reinstated? Scott? Was that Rio 2016? Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Sure was. Wow. The, yeah, golfies had to wait a while for golf to come back. Uh, that decision was made by the IOC back in 2009, and of course uh, came back in Tokyo as well. And uh, Lydia Ko did all right. You know, I think silver. She, yeah, silver in Tokyo. Yeah, I, I was going to pick. So I, I would have said 2008. So you got me there, pal. Well done. That's question one. Question two: Who currently holds the world number one rank in men's golf? Oh God. Oh. Um. Oh, oh, um, don't, don't you be on that Google. Uh, Jimmy, Jim, Jim Furyk. One That's of the worst things <laughs> I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Over to oh. you, Stephen. Who is the world number one golfer in men's golf right now? I have no idea. Um, and Lisa, I, I can see you. I know you're not googling. You have your head on your your hand on see, your forehead. See, I would have the, the only because I, I don't follow it as much as I used to. So I would have gone. I probably would have gone Bryson DeChambeau, but that would have been completely wrong. Okay, give me an answer. I just gave you one, Bryson DeChambeau. All right, <laughs> one of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. So, Scott, you are still alive, still alive to win that fifty dollars. Are we, allowed, uh, are we allowed the answer I'll now? I'll give you the answer in a second. Okay, sorry. Uh, so you're still alive there, Scott. You can still get the TAB vouchers worth $50 and the sleep drops. The correct answer, world number one, is John Ram. All right. Ram. Ram. Uh, Ram. I was going to, I have to admit. It's like, R-A-H-E-M, right? Yes. Yeah, Ram. When it comes to golf, I only know those that are in the PGA Tour 2K video game, and uh, he is not there, so I had no idea oh who he was personally. Okay. Move uh, on. <laughs> last question. This is about Lydia Ko. One of our greatest, she reached world number one status at the tender age of 17. But what was the margin of victory for her first major championship win? How much did she win by? You are kidding me. I reckon Smithy would have had this. 
Well, yeah, okay, if you want to spend all the time <laughs> sitting watching telly. Uh, Scotty, you're up, mate. No Googling. <sighs> Scott, are you there, mate? Oh, the music dropped. Are you there, Scott? I don't hear. Okay, well. <laughs> he's gone. We we still have another caller on the line. He's well, he's not, he's not answering. He's not answering, so I'm going to give it over to Barry from Palmy. Can you hear me, mate? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here. Yeah. All right, so we'll keep this going real quick. Uh, yep. We have to reset. <laughs> yeah. Last question? Yeah. All right, okay. We don't have the time. We'll just go with that last question. Did you hear it before? Yes. Okay. Um. Lydia Ko, what was her margin of victory in her first major championship win? I'm only going to guess. Are you the first to answer? But um, I'm, I'm going to go five shots. One of the worst things I have ever yeah. seen done on a cricket field. One shot. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Barry, you were so, so close, my friend. It was six under was the margin of victory for Lydia Coe. Uh, so, well, six strokes. She finished 16 under at the Evian Championship in 2015. So, back, yeah. back when uh, Lydia was red, red hot. So, congratulations, mate. We will get the $50 of TAB vouchers through to your account. Stay on the line. And uh, Brian, our awesome panel op, who has the wicked dance moves, will get your details. <laughs> Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Sing it, Staffy. Can't sing that high. <laughs> oh, I love me some Bee Gees. Have you been playing Bee Gees all day, too? Welcome to Disco Thursday on Mornings with Lakaiba. It's oh. 11.48. Disco fits. Disc- I mean, as soon as you heard the Bee Gees, you were into the groove straight away. That makes me feel so good, or it's either you and I just are too old. <laughs> Do you know the name of that, so- uh, name of that dance I was doing? That's the Brooklyn Hustle. The Brooklyn Hustle. I went to disco dancing classes with my <laughs> sister and my mother when I was 10 and learnt the Brooklyn Hustle. Mate, you have made my day. <laughs> and see, I knew there was a reason we were doing Disco Thursday. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Uh, we've just been having a little yarn while we've been d- boogieing. You've got uh, a really cool lineup today. I have. A little bit eclectic today. Eclectic. Eclectic? It's a big word for you. <clears throat> it's not that long, but it is hard to say. <laughs> After a couple, eclectic. <laughs> Yeah, we've got um, one I'm really looking forward to, and I don't actually know much about it, but I know how hard they work. We've got Matteo Pitiasi Vaihu. I hope I have got that right. Mm. He's a he's probably New Zealand's best performed male bodybuilder. Oh wow! And we just got onto this guy because a listener texted in and told us he'd qualified for the Arnold Schwarzenegger Classic. In oh my October. gosh! Um, he's been to Mr. Olympias, he's made finals, he's a regular winner of the New Zealand Championships, he's a judge, international judge, he's a trainer, a comp- he's everything. And he lives where? He lives in Auckland. Oh my goodness. So I just 
DM'd him on Instagram. Took two days, but he replied and he goes, whereabouts are you? <laughs> and I said, I'm in Auckland. <laughs> don't, don't hurt me. <laughs> um, but he said, yeah, love to come on and chat. So that will be interesting. So thanks to the listener that texted in and suggested we talk oh, to that, him. That's brilliant. You know, I've, I've only ever once considered having a crack at that, and then I looked at what they actually do and how strict they are on their diet regime, and you go... It's a 24-7 lifestyle. It's a, it is a 20... It is so... It's almost monk-like. Yeah. You know, they, they weigh food. Mm. They weigh how much they eat and how many carbs, they're this, that, and the other. It's it's bonkers. Wouldn't mind looking at that. I'd like to do it once, but I don't like the idea of rubbing myself full of fake tan. Oh, that would be the easiest part of being a bodybuilder. <laughs> such a weird reckon. look. It is, mate. <laughs> Who else, mate? <laughs> uh, TJ. We get TJ oh, on usually The great one. Week. Yes, the great one. Sky Sport rugby commentator, of course, looking at this weekend Super Rugby. We've got Lauren Bruce. Yeah. She's a Kiwi hammer thrower. We've been doing an athlete every day, probably for the last two or three weeks, building up to the National Track and Field Champs in Hawke's Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all such cool people, the track and field people. I didn't know hardly any of them. I mm-hmm. met Tom Walsh a few times, but none of the others. They are cool people. Yeah. Really they, cool people. Uh, they, they do, And they literally do it on the smell of an oily rag in this country. Absolutely they do. And uh, I'm going to the track and field champs in Hawke's Bay this weekend. Are you working? Yeah, well, no, I've got time. It's my days off, but I'm going to take uh, I'm going to grab little interviews with all of the winners because they're such cool people. And oh, I'll, nice. And I'll play them all out next oh, week as well. Oh, that's brilliant. And we've got Cody Forsyth. He's the former Kiwi number one polo player. I oh, know, yeah. As well. I've actually been around polo. I've got a mate of mine, Kevin Gray, who plays polo. He plays out of T-Rail. I've actually groomed once for polo. Brushed a horse, you oh, mean? Brushed a horse. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you can go now. Thanks, that's, mate. A, that's a very good afternoon. <laughs> you go and weigh your lunch. Yes, I'll go and weigh my broccoli here. <laughs> you go weigh your broccoli for that interview because I'm looking forward to that one because I'm sure it's going to, you're going to walk out of there going, there's no way in hell I would ever do that. Yeah, you curl how much? <laughs> 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 Staffy in the afternoon coming your way after midday here. Stick with us, we'll wrap up the uh, day and tell you what else you can look for. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91.